No, their goal is to win the gold. Their goal is not to go, I, want, I hope I just win a silver medal or a bronze medal. They're going for the gold. They may end up with a silver. They may end up with a bronze or tinfoil. Okay? But their goal is to go for the gusto. Amen? Now, the good thing about this is this. God put winning inside of our hearts. He birthed that inside of our hearts that it didn't just come from us. Everybody, I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me a a couple of years back, and I'll never forget it. I wrote it down. He said, everyone and anybody that accomplished anything that we read about in the Bible had opposition at first. Every single one of them. Everybody or anybody that we read about in the Word of God that accomplished anything that we read about had opposition. But they didn't let the opposition hold them back. Amen? How many of you know the easiest thing in the world to do is quit and give up when the chips are down? Amen? Deep down inside you, you like a good fight. Amen? Praise the Lord. When I was in the sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that, there's some bullies in our school, and there's a kid. His name was Daniel. That's no, you know, reflection on Brother Dan right here. His last name was Mercedes. <laughs> and, uh, and this kid had a big brother that was actually, he was huge, you know. He was older. He's three or four years older than me. And he would just destroy people, pick on them, fight them, beat them up, you know, and all kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, and I remember one day I was, I was jogging. I was out, you know, I was training for track. And I was, you know, I was probably 13, 12, 13 years old. And I was out jogging. And here comes this guy, this Daniel kid in his car with his brother. And he goes past me and he spits out the window at me. And luckily he missed me, but he was going for me. You know what I'm saying? He would do things like this, you know. And, and I'm not going to go into the details, but he it just went on and on and on, this kind of stuff. You know, he would just try to get away. He would like spit in kids' milk cartons at lunch without telling them, and they would drink the milk. Nasty stuff. And finally, I had enough. I had enough. Now, back in those days, I was, I was so thin, if I stood sideways, you couldn't see me. Okay. I know you have to see that by faith now. Okay. <laughs> I could eat everything and not gain any pounds at all. I'm telling you. <laughs> and, uh, and, I'm, and, uh, and my father, you know, he, he said, look, you don't start a fight. He goes, but you have to defend yourself sometimes. He was a policeman. And I, those words just resonated inside my heart, you know. And I, I remember walking into the locker room one day and uh, and there he stood over there in the locker room, you know, and everybody's getting changed and dressed, you know. And, uh, and it was just the anointed moment. <laughs> and I, I walked over to him, and I said, boom, I hit him. He, he smashed into the lockers, you know, and he didn't even try to fight me back. You know what I mean? But you know what? I never heard from him again. In fact, he respected me. You know, 12, 13 years old, you know what I'm saying? And uh, the devil's like that sometimes. He just picks on you. He tries to do things to you, but you've got to smack him upside the head sometimes. We're not talking about fighting flesh and blood, but, you know, we're talking about when the devil starts messing with you, 
you got to stand up to him and say, you are not going to do this to me because I've got the blood of Jesus. I've got the name of Jesus. I've got the word of God. I've got the full armor of God. You have nothing. The devil and his demons lost their anointing. They have no anointing. When he fell from heaven, when Jesus saw, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning in Luke chapter 10. He lost his anointing. He lost his power. He's a fallen angel. He's a fallen being and so are his cohorts which are demons. Okay? They are all defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. But they'll try to make you think that they're still alive and well. They'll try to make you think that you don't have a chance. But you do. Because the only, the only I'm telling you, the only weapon that the enemy uses is fear. That's all he has. That's all that Satan has. He has fear. What if? What if you don't get healed? What if this doesn't happen? Oh, did you read about so-and-so down at the church, the first Christian church down on the corner? They were supposedly believing God and they died. Are you with me? See, the devil always throw those things up before you. You know what I'm saying? Well, first of all, you don't know what they're believing. And second of all, it doesn't change the Bible. If a person hears the gospel and rejects it and goes to hell, does that mean you quit preaching the gospel of salvation? No, they just chose not to receive it. Okay? Now, when it comes to the healing of our bodies, it's absolutely, 100%, every single time, God's will that you be healed. Now, if some rejected that and not received that, of course. But that doesn't change the plan of God. Doesn't change the plan of God. So, Satan's only weapon that he has is a spirit of fear. You're not going to make it. God's not going to hear your prayers. Your loved one's not going to be changed. Your body's not going to be healed. You'll never have enough money. And the list goes on. And it's all rooted in fear. And it has to do with what you're hearing. Are you with me now? Now, I've even heard, and I'm not going to go into great detail, but I've even heard through the years, preachers release fear as they minister. That's the last place that fear should be released is from the pulpit. Faith from the Word of God is what needs to come forth from any podium, from any pulpit. Not fear. Amen. There's even a right way to teach about the end times. And a lot of times they try to scare the hell out of people. You understand? I'm not cussing. I'm just saying they try to scare people. You know, because fear makes money. Buy some of this dry food. The tribulation's coming. You might need to stock up on some of this stuff. Are you with me now? Yeah. And there are, there are sometimes ministries that made a lot of millions of dollars on dry food, on stored food that lasts for months. Okay? I don't think that's what God wants us to do. Okay? He's going to take care of Jesus didn't say that we're to do that. All right? So even teaching end times and things of that nature, you know, I don't, I don't believe that we're in the end of days right now. There's a lot of time left here. Okay? And a lot of people jump on that bandwagon. Jesus is coming back next week. No, he's not. He's not. There's a lot of things that need to take place right now in the earth that have been foretold and prophesied in the Word of God about the end time revival, about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh. We haven't seen that yet. 
We haven't seen that yet, but we're going to. Are you with me now? So anyway, I don't mean to get off on a tangent there, but I did anyway. Praise the Lord. But to be determined means to be confident, be positive, be steadfast, be earnest, be serious, unfaltering, unhesitating. Don't hesitate. Unswerving and unwavering. That's what it means. That's what it means be, to be determined. Say, I am determined, I am determined. To, win to win in every area of life. So you, if you have resistance when, you, when it comes to obeying God, amen? I know when I first got saved and I got into a good word church, first time ever got into a good word church, it was like I experienced these different attacks in my life that I never experienced prior to that. And I didn't understand all that, but I, then I began to realize, wait a minute, I'm hearing some good word here. I'm hearing some good word. So if I'm hearing good word, the devil's going to try to steal the word of God. Are you with me? So I'm, I'm glad, praise the Lord. You know, Jesus, when he taught in the synagogue, sometimes demons would cry out. Well, we don't like that in our church. We just like everything neat and nice and orderly, and we just sit there, fold our hands and say little prayers, you know. But listen, when the anointing shows up, sometimes demons cry out. Are you with me? That's a good sign. Right? If, if, they, if they act up, if they manifest, you say you shut up in Jesus' name. You don't, you don't belong here. Amen? Anyway, let's go to Luke chapter 5 once again. We looked at this last week. I want to look at another aspect of this. Uh, we kind of went through it pretty quick last week. But we have to be determined to win in every situation of life. We can't have a uh, give up easy type of mindset. Amen? You can't do that. Praise the Lord. You know, ever since, uh, ever since uh, 2020 when COVID, the China virus came and on purpose as a biological weapon, and that's exactly what it was, and came to this planet, that was a weapon from Satan. How many of you know that? And with that weapon also came a spirit of fear that tried to get launched into the, not only the body of Christ, but to every person worldwide. A spirit of fear. Okay? And I don't know that we've quite gotten totally through that whole thing because a lot of people are still hesitant and stuff like that. A lot of people still won't even step foot in a church for fear of COVID. Are you with me now? But I'm telling you, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Luke chapter 5 verse 15 says, verse 15 says, But so much more there went a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day that as he was teaching there, and this, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of Galilee, of Judea and Jerusalem and the power, notice this, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Just like it is today. And behold, men brought a bed, in a bed, a man which was taken with the palsy, he could, he was crippled, and they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him. And when they could not find a way but what they might bring him in as because of the multitude, they went up upon the housetop, led him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. Okay? <clears throat> and it says, and when Jesus saw their faith, you know, faith is visible. 
He said unto them, Man, thy sins be, they're forgiven you. The scribes, the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, Why reason you in your hearts whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk? Now notice the phrase, which is easier. Forgiveness of sins is easy. Healing is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right? He said, which is easier to say? Thy sins are forgiven, arise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, rise, take up your couch, and go into thine house. That means his bed. And immediately he rose up before them, took up thereupon he lay, and departed out of his house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things this day. That's an interesting response. A guy gets healed that's been crippled. You know, he had palsy, couldn't walk. But they said, we've seen strange things here today. You see, for the, for the carnal mind, the Bible says that the carnal mind is at enmity or enemy, it's an enemy of God. Okay? They should have said, we've seen glory, we've seen wonderful things today. The guy was healed. Now, as we look back on this right here, the key verse right here is verse 18 because when, when uh, we brought this out last week, when they brought this man, the Bible says in another, uh, one of the other Gospels, he was born of four. In other words, four people, four friends carried him on his stretcher because he couldn't walk. And they, they, they found that they came to Jesus. This is Jesus' personal house, okay, in Capernaum. And when they got there, they guess they got there late and the house was so packed and so full. It was standing room only. There was no way they could get into the house. So here's what I want to talk about. Obstacles. It will always seem that there's going to be an obstacle in your way between you and the promise of God. There's always going to be some kind of an obstacle. But those obstacles are meant to be setbacks but not to keep you back. And so it says they sought means. In other words, let me say it like this. They sat down and had a meeting. They figured it out. Okay, so there's nobody. There's people in the door. There's people in the window. But somebody said, you know what? There's nobody on the rooftop. Now back then, they, their houses were different than ours. You know what I mean? With slanted roofs here, there were flat tops. You could climb up on top very easily. Even to this day in Israel, there's a lot of homes like that. They're flat tops. Remember when David was walking on top of his roof? When that mess happened, remember that? Okay. And, uh, and so somebody came up with the idea. I don't know. It didn't say which one it was. But one of the guys, whether it was the guy on the stretcher or one of the four friends said, there's nobody on the roof. So they, they all agreed. Even the guy on the, on the, uh, uh, that was crippled said, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. In other words, they didn't let an obstacle hold them back. They didn't let the fear of, oh, it's, we're too late. We can't receive. There's not enough room. They could have, they could have listened to all those excuses and turned around and said, you know what, we'll, we'll try some other time. Well, there may not be another time. Okay? And they, they were determined, unswerving, unwavering. They said, let's just do it. Let's go up on the roof. And what happens? He goes up, they go up on the roof, you know. They start tearing the roof apart. 
and that you know that there had to be debris that was falling inside there because, you know, you, somebody's tearing a hole in your roof, you're going you're to see it. All right? And back then they had thatch roofs and stuff, so there's probably particles of dirt and straw and stuff falling, you know? And everybody's just stopping. Even Jesus is looking, man, they're ripping my roof off, you know? He didn't even chastise them for it. He saw their faith. We can replace a roof. Amen? Hallelujah. He's not concerned. You think Jesus is concerned about that? Amen? And so they, they lower him down. And look, Jesus, can you imagine? I believe with all my heart, Jesus had a big smile on his face. He's probably like, look at this. Look at this, you know? <laughs> and he saw their faith. And everybody else is like, what's going on here? What's going on? And then Jesus said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Amen? Praise the Lord. Because the real root behind any sickness is the original sin. He dealt with a sin problem. Therefore, the healing problem is no problem. Sickness is the foul offspring of its mother, sin. Okay? But if the sin problem is dealt with, then technically the sickness or disease is already dealt with. Because there were no sickness and disease before the fall. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no hospitals, there was no... Nothing was, the curse wasn't there. Okay? But Jesus technically took the curse, bore the curse, became sin, so that we could receive forgiveness. Amen? But I wanted to bring this out because how many times would people look at something like this and say, you know, eh, I just can't get in here. You know what I mean? Right? i never forget, a number of, number of years ago, it was probably like 25, 30 years ago now, um, uh, Brother Benny Hinn was down at the Civic Arena for a um, uh, Good Friday service. Okay, he was having a communion service, and and uh, and for some reason I felt like I was supposed to go to it. Okay, this is many many years ago when this old Civic Arena was there. I don't know why you weren't there. You weren't there, were you? See, I don't know. If we were just had kids or something. I don't know what happened, but but anyway, I took I drove down to the Civic Arena, and I got there a little too late. And I got to the main doors. They said, we can't let it. It was jam-packed. They can't let anybody in. Okay? And so I'm like, okay, I just drove down here for nothing, you know? But I felt like the Lord wanted me to go to it, right? So I'm leaving, and there's all these ramps that go around the arena. Remember, it used to be around the arena. I'm walking. All of a sudden, this little side door just burst open. And there was a, a, a guard that worked there, you know? And he goes, hey, psh, come here, come here. He goes, do you want in here? I go, Yeah. I don't know if it's an angel or what. But he, he took me. He goes, come here. I, I, have a, I have a seat for you. He took me down to the very front. And I thought, how's that? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a glorious service. A lot of people got healed. We're talking like in 1990, 91, right around there, something like that. And uh, were, you any, were you there at that service? Okay. And I mean, the worship was, oh, it was through the heavens. It was just just all worship, so worshipful, you know, and just really felt the presence of God. But I was thinking, that, no, it's not the same situation as this guy, but I thought the easiest thing would have been to just, ah, let's just go home, get in the car, go back home, you know. But I felt like the Lord wanted me to go there, you know, so I'm walking down the ramp, and I don't know, this guy, there was no windows in the door, so he didn't see me, yeah. but it, the door just burst open. He says, hey, come on in, you, go, you, you know. 
And, uh, and I'm telling you, people waited for hours to get into that meeting. I'm talking hours. Bus loads of people. You can see bus, this big, you know, uh, charter buses everywhere from all over the place, you know. And here they take me down, sit me on the, the front row going down. I'm only like, you know, a stone's throw from the stage. You know what I'm saying? And I know God wanted me to be there at that time, but I thought it would have been so easy just to give up. Okay? But I was able to witness and receive communion. You know, it was the Good Friday service. And, uh, and a lot of people got healed. Praise the Lord. But this, this man right here that was crippled, he was born of four, easily could have gave up, easily could have thrown in the towel and given up. And a lot of people would. But you just can't have any quit. Now, I said this at the beginning of the service. All the quit is in your head. It's not in your heart. Amen? You don't give up on God. You don't give up on the Holy Ghost. You don't give up on the things, the promises of God. Amen? So every victory originally starts with obstacles. Every, every victory that you receive in this life, there are certain obstacles. I, I heard the gospel before I actually received Christ. I did. I heard the gospel. But I rejected it at the time, initially. But there came a time where I said, you know what, i got to act on this. I'm going to receive this. Amen. Now let's go over to, um, as we close here this morning, let's go to Mark chapter 5, if you would. Mark chapter 5. I, one, the one thing I really appreciate about God is that, now the Gospel of John says that if everything was written down that Jesus said and did, that I suppose even the world itself couldn't contain the books. He said, he said again, if everything that was written down that Jesus said and did, he goes, I don't think the whole world could contain the books thereof. But we have four Gospels, and the Holy Spirit saw to it that there were certain situations that he wanted to put in the Word of God for us to see it and to hear it and to read about it. Are you with me now? There are many other people that got healed in the New Testament we don't even know about under the ministry of Jesus. There's many people, but we just don't know about it. However, we do have four Gospels that we can read about, and those are the, those are the anointed letters God says, I want, to, I want to put these in a book so that future generations can read these stories or accounts, okay, and receive faith and receive courage and receive help from situations that were really impossible. Amen? And it's interesting because God put a lot of the real hard cases in the Bible so that our situation doesn't even look that bad. Amen? So it gives us supernatural hope. Now, this will give people hope that have a problem if they're crippled, if their limbs are not working, whether it's an arm or a leg, and they have palsy, it's just not functioning. It should give people a supernatural hope. The scriptures give people a supernatural hope that, hey, if God healed this guy back in the, uh, the gospel of uh, Luke, then he can heal me too. Are you with me now? Now here's another situation here. We look at the woman with the issue of blood. You know, let's read it like we're reading it for the very first time. And I want to show you something here. 
Mark's chapter, Mark chapter 5, verse 25, there was a certain woman. Now, you're going to meet this woman someday. When we go to heaven, you're not going to see blood dripping off her clothes because she was healed. But you will meet the man that was born of four in the Bible that we just read about that was, had palsy that Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, and he did. You will meet him in heaven. You will meet the woman with the issue of blood in heaven. These are real accounts. These are not just stories or fairy tales or make-believe. Okay? How many of you know, like, Jonah and the whale is not a make-believe story? It actually happened. Are you with me now? Did Elijah run the king's chariot? Yes, he did. And he didn't even have Nikes on. He outran the king's chariot. Okay? Well, you're going to meet these people. They're going to meet you. Amen? It's interesting because something about heavenly things. I want to drop that temperature up a little bit, Josh. Or bring it up. Not drop it, but bring it up. Um, all of a sudden, Arctic air came in the room. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> what was I saying? Oh, I lost track of what I was going to say. Verse 25 says, There was a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had, but was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Now I would say that's a pretty hopeless situation. Are you with me now? Are you with me now? She was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Spent all that she had. When she heard of Jesus, verse 27, that's Mark chapter 5, verse 27, came in the press behind, touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. How sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her had done this thing, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you whole. Or sozo. Wholeness. That's the word sozo. Go in peace. Be made whole of thy plague. Praise the Lord. Now, did she have obstacles here? Well, of course she did. There's a couple things strikes against her. First and foremost, that, you know, uh, she had, before she heard of Jesus... She sought out the physicians. In fact, she had to be a woman of means or she couldn't have afforded, you know, the doctor's care. It said many physicians, right? She spent every last dime that she had hoping that she would get better. That's what it says, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you can imagine she spent all this money, all of her resources on doctors thinking maybe it's this doctor, maybe it's that doctor, maybe they have the answer here, Okay. 
only to leave her more frustrated. One thing after another thing, after disappointment after disappointment, it's not working. Okay? And, uh, and she had spent her last dime. But then she heard someone brought her information about somebody that could really help her this time. His name was Jesus. And she had heard, how did she even know to go touch the, if I could just touch the hem of his garment? How did she even know that? Because there's other scriptures in the Bible that they pressed upon him just to touch his clothing. So there were other people other than her that received healing by just touching the hem of his garment, his clothing, right? So, and there, and there, you know, and the, it wasn't like fake. They were like, we were healed. We had a terminal disease. We got to where Jesus was. So what did that do? That put a supernatural hope on the inside of her heart that if I could just get to Jesus, I'm going to do the very same thing. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And the, the, the Amplified says she kept saying. She kept saying. That was her faith talking. If I can just get to Jesus, I'll be made whole. Amen. And you know, faith works like that. Faith operates. If I could just get to Jesus, I'll be made whole. Amen. When I come to church today, I'm going to receive answers. Amen. Faith will operate. It'll function like that. Hallelujah. And uh, what happened was when... Uh, that's obstacle, first of all. She had an incurable disease. She spent all of her money. Those are two obstacles right there. Now, here's, the, uh, here's another obstacle we don't think much about. Under Levitical law, someone that had an issue of blood could not be uh, in, in public around other people. They were considered unclean under Levitical law, like a leper. And so they, had, they couldn't be away from, they couldn't be around the general public. So she had that strike against her as well. In fact, she could have been stoned under Levitical law for contaminating other people. <laughs> all right? But so she had strike one, strike two, strike three, all these things against her, you know? And here's the other thing. It doesn't say that she, went, she, didn't, ha she didn't have any help to get there to Jesus. It says she traveled. I don't know how far it was. But, you know, if you have a hemorrhage of blood like that, you know, and you're anemic, you're losing blood constantly. You're weak not strong, you know, and however far she had to travel, she said, I just have to get to where he is. So she had all these obstacles. <clears throat> and then it said, she came in the press behind. So in other words, when she found out where, somehow she found out where he was. When she got to where he was, there was a multitude of people and there was a press of people. See, even the press was back then. She came in the press behind. CNN over here. Fake news over here. Amen. And she, she, she had to work her way through and fight the people in spite of her weak condition. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't even initiate her healing. Because he turned about in the press, he said, someone touched me. Who touched me? And the disciples, you know, <laughs> said, Lord... What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's bumping up against you right here. But the actual Greek says, someone made a demand on my power. See, a lot of people could rub up against them, but there's no demand on his power. Nothing's happening. No sparks are flying. But this woman had a spirit of faith. All she knew was, if I can just get the hem of his garment and touch his clothes, I know that I'll be healed. 
She inherited from somebody else. See the power of a testimony. Why are testimonies so powerful? Because it encourages other people to believe. I told the Lord way back, way, I don't even know how long ago, but I said, Lord, anytime that you do something for me, I don't care what it is, I will talk about it. I will testify it. There's some testimonies I've given over and over and over again in church. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard some, I'm like, I know where he's going with that. I know what happened there, you know. But I'm going to give the devil a major black eye, but encourage other people because when you face an impossible situation, you face situations that look hopeless. There's a God of all hope, and he's a God of all power. And what he did for someone else, he'll do for you. He's no respecter of persons. And Jesus stopped and he turned around and he said, who touched me? Yeah, but he was kind of startled, you know. And his disciples, they're like bodyguards, you know. They're like the secret service, right? And they're black suits and black ties, right? And they're like watching out for him, you know. Can you imagine that? And he said, no, somebody touched me. And the woman, fearing and trembling, fell down. She just gave in, fell down and told him all the truth. And Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Do you think she had some obstacles? She did. She had all kind of obstacles. But you know what? We read about her. We don't read about the person that heard but just gave up and said, ah, that's too far. We can't go there. You know, it's too hot outside. It's too cold outside. It's raining outside. It's snowing outside. Whatever. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let that hold them back. Okay? You have to fight through stuff sometimes. Amen? And a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, you know what you have to fight through more than anything else is your emotions. Your emotions can be really strong sometimes, but sometimes you've got to fight through that like you're going through a safari, getting your machete out and just chopping down weeds. And, and uh, you know, you've got to fight through those emotions sometimes. Don't let emotions control you. Don't let other people control you. Don't let what other people said control you. Let God's word control you. Let his word have the final say so. And when you do, you will receive a miracle from God. Make no mistake about it. So anybody, as I said, that original statement the Lord gave me, said anybody that received anything from the Lord in the Bible had opposition, had obstacles, but they had to work through it. They had to work through it. Stop and think about it for a minute. You know, Old Testament, New Testament. They're all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, the 12 spies that went up and God said, send up a spy from each tribe, 12 tribes. You know, remember that story? And, um, you know, they had all kind of, they had, what were their obstacles? Giants. Okay. 12, 12 foot giants, you know, we can't get into the promised land. There's no way, you know. That was their obstacle, okay. But Joshua and Caleb chose not to look at the obstacle. They chose to look beyond the obstacle and say, you know what, God said this is our land. This belongs to us. But the majority, the ten spies, came back with an evil report of unbelief. They said, we can't do this. There's giants in the land. It's impossible. We can't do this. In Numbers chapter 14, God told the Israelites, He said, What they've spoken in my ears, that will I do. 
And the only people he said that will enter into the promised land are Joshua and Caleb and those 20 years and younger underneath them. They're the ones that will go in and possess the land. And they did. What happened to the 10 spies and those underneath them? They perished in the wilderness. They got exactly what they said. They said, we're not able. We be not able. Joshua and Caleb said, we be able. Let's go up and take it. We can take the land. See, sometimes faith seems unreasonable because it is. When you say something by faith, it seems like, that's crazy. Who do they think they are? Well, people that believe God. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we're at oddity with other people that don't know about trusting God or believing God, and that's okay. Amen. When, it, when they see what God does for you, they're going to come back and say, well, you must have known God in a different way than I did. Okay? Unbelief is such a robber. Fear, doubt, unbelief is meant to rob us from God's best. It almost robbed Peter when he was walking on the water. Jesus said, wherefore did thou doubt? Fear and doubt are two tormenting twins. They, they work together, fear and doubt. He was walking on the water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But he got his eyes off the, the master, the word, looked at the circumstances, and he beginning to sink. He began to sink. He didn't just sink. He began to sink. And it's no different with you and I today. When we get our eyes off the word of God, we get our eyes on the circumstances Oh, the sickness. Oh, the pain. Oh, the news report. Oh, the government. We get our eyes on the natural. We begin to sink. It's meant to do that. But we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, on the Word of God. And He will keep us lifted up above. Think about it. Jesus walked on the water. Peter walked on the water. Amen? You're supposed to drown when you step on water. It's not supposed to hold you up. I walked on the water one time. Amen. Went down to the lake. I thought, praise the Lord. Stepped on the water and walked out. You only catch that it was 20 degrees out. I'm going to throw one at you there, huh? Well, the water wasn't frozen that day because you can't sink in frozen waters, right? But Peter, I love it because when Peter was sinking out of his own doing, he cried out and said, Lord, save me. There was desperation. Jesus was right there. He just reached down, pulled him up. The mercy of God. Even when you feel like you're sinking in your emotions, that's what I'm talking about, your emotions. Sometimes we have to grab hold of our emotions and say, whoa, whoa, wait a second here. You're a believer. You're not a doubter. Amen? Born again, you're a believer. It's natural for you to believe. Amen? And uh, Jesus pulled him up and saved him that day. He was back up on the water and they walked back to the boat together. Now, I love this about the Lord because when we sink and when we miss it, God is still there to lift us up. 
when you think that you've made the mistakes and you've missed God somehow, you know, sometimes you feel like you deserve punishment. That's the devil. Even, there's not one person here, there's not one person that I know of that's perfect in the flesh in every way as a believer. There's nobody. None of us are perfect. Sometimes we're stronger in faith than other times. Sometimes we're physically, you ever know sometimes when you're physically exhausted? Amen? I, I was being attacked in my physical body last week. I had this pink eye thing going on with both eyes and some other stuff going on. and It, it was a pretty rough week from the natural, you know what I mean? And, um, and, and I, was, I was physically exhausted. I was going to work, but I was exhausted and stuff, you know. And, and, uh, but I noticed that problems seemed a whole lot worse when I was physically tired. And that's what the devil wants to wear you down, make you so tired and so exhausted, you, you can't even resist. And, um, and all it took was some little R&R, a little extra rest, and then you wake up, you're like, all right, we can handle this. <laughs> Amen? And also with an encouraging wife as well. Amen? Always be, as a husband and a wife, always be an encourager. Okay? All right? As a husband, always be an encourager to your wife. Encourage her. Build her up. Don't just sit back and say nothing. You open your mouth, say things to that woman, put faith in them, even if they're not lining up and so, you know what I'm saying? And you put faith into them. You, put, you build them up. You put something into them. Okay? And you'd be surprised what will happen. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. Well, one of the ways that Jesus Christ loved the church is He hears the church. He listens to the church. Are you with me now? Now, it works on both ends. You understand what I mean? But I'm just, I'm just addressing this one area here. That be, learn to be, and this wouldn't just apply to a husband loving the wife, but this would also apply to your kids and to other people as well, is learn to be a good listener. Listen intently. Listen to what they're saying. Focus on what they're saying. And, uh, and that works with both, on both ways. Amen? To hear people out. Let them have a voice. Amen? Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> it's just so important, you know? And, um, and it works both ways. That the wives hear what the husband's saying. And we really get to know one another's heart. Take time to listen to one another. Take time to listen to your kids. They may not say exactly what you want them to say right away, but listen to their heart. Where are they hurting? Where's, where's the pain at? What's, what's coming out of them? And sometimes them just being, if, if you just being an ear to that person can bring help and healing to that person instead of just judging them right away. Well, if they would just line up and quit doing this, you know, then things will be okay. But sometimes they just need someone to bear their burdens to. Someone they just, they just, sometimes they just need someone to talk to. Amen? Amen back there. Praise the Lord. It's so important that we take time and listen to one another. Hear one another. Communicate. Talk. Well, I'm not much of a talker. Well, we can learn. We can learn. There's so much that I've learned through the years by just sitting down 
with my wife, with my son, with my daughter, and just talking things with them, talking things over, asking them questions, you know what I mean? Getting their opinion on things, you know? I don't like like I know everything because I don't, okay? That would be stupid for me to do that. They have some smarts, and I need to hear what they have to say sometimes. Amen? Now, if I was full of pride, I wouldn't do that. Say, I've got all the answers. I'm the man of this house. I know what's going on here. I'll call the shots, you know. I'm going to get in a whole lot of trouble, okay? Because there's, there's certain things, a perspective, okay, that my daughter will have or my son will have or my wife will have about a situation. I want to hear their perspective on something, and it gives me more of a balanced understanding before I act or react to something that I, in, a, in a way that I shouldn't, okay? And it just, it just brings a healthy, that's why God put families together. And that's why we, I don't care if you've been married for 50 years, it's something you constantly have to keep working on, okay? And showing respect and showing love for one another, even if you think, well, they don't deserve it, they don't do this for me, you know, well, be the initiator. Jesus initiated his love for us. He died for us while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait for us to clean our acts up and then we could go to him. He listens to us. Praise God. And this woman here, Jesus didn't even shut her up. It says she told him all the truth. How long did that take? Now we know that there's another situation. Jesus was on the way to who was his house? Jairus' house to heal his daughter, right? There's a healing in the middle of a healing, right? And as he's, he's actually on his way to go to heal his daughter... And the woman interrupts the situation, which means he had the opportunity to get out of, well, out of love with her and say, who do you think you are? I'm the, I came here first, right? And then that people from his household showed up and said, trouble not the master, your daughter's dead. Can you imagine the emotions? It's too late. But you know what Jesus looked at him? He says, fear not, only believe. Keep fear out. And I just want to leave us with this here today because uh, as long as we keep fear out of our lives, everything's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. If we keep the fear out, Keeping fear out sometimes is a full-time job. There's times I wake up in the middle of the night and fear hits me like a freight train. Like, oh, what if? What about this? What about that? You know, and I'm no different than anybody else. You know what I mean? And I have to deal with that. I don't just lay there and do nothing about it. I have to stand up within me and I say, no, no. Fear, I refuse. I will not yield to you. I will not submit to you. God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? And the devil puts mental images in you, you know, that you're going to die of this particular thing. You know, you stand up and you say, no, 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 you don't. Kenneth Hagin used to talk about when he was younger, when he had that incurable heart disease and blood, two, uh, there was like two, three things going on there, but they were all incurable. He said, prior to hearing the word, he said he used to lay there and envision himself inside the coffin 
You ever remember that? You ever hear that? He said he would envision the fall leaves falling on the grave site. He went into great detail about it. You know, he said he had this mental picture of him dying, you know, and it was all bad and negative, you know. But the Lord helped him and he's able to change that image. And he had to stand up as a 16-year-old teenager and say, look, if a 16-year-old teenager can stand up to that, anybody can. How many read that or heard him talk about that? He had a mental image. You know, 16-year-old, you're going to die. You know, the, the pastor there, they came, he was hoping he would pray for him. He just came to give him his last rites. said, don't worry, son, it'll be over all soon. And his religious voice. And the Lord told Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, later, he said, when he appeared to him, he says, I've allowed you to go through certain experiences so that you could learn faith, but also to help other people. He says, now go teach my people faith. Amen? Amen? He goes, what you've gone through, I'm going to use it now to help other people launch them off, get off the launch pad where their faith is concerned, believe in God for what they're believing God for. You know what I mean? But I tell you what, it started out, his imagination was going wild, haywire, you know? He, he could envision, he went into great detail about, you know, the undertakers coming, they saw himself in the coffin, they saw him digging up the ground, putting the coffin in the ground, and he saw the fall leaves coming down on top of the, you know, later in the year and stuff. He said when God finally got a hold of him and he began to change his image, he, it was a righteous indignation, a righteous anger that rose up on the inside of him and said, no, Mr. Devil, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And he got a hold of Mark 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 23 through 25, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. And he received his healing on Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. And he said he sat there in his bed, crippled, couldn't walk. And he trusted the Lord. He said, Lord, I want to announce in the presence of God. I want to announce in the presence of demons and evil spirits that I am healed. I believe I receive according to Mark. Now, he never had one person, no pastor. Think about this. There was nobody that came with that word to give to him. He got it by reading his grandmother's Methodist Bible, King James Bible. There was no preacher there telling him how to get healed, four steps to getting healed. He got it from the word of God. What are we talking about? Being determined. And he received, he said it was like a, a, a pot of warm honey hit his head. And he draped his paralyzed feet over the bed. They were like clubs, they said. They just dangled there. There was no feeling in them at all. He said when he, he stood there and he said, I announce in the presence of God, in the presence of the devil, I believe I received my healing. He said it was like a warm cup of honey just poured over his head. And he said, he said he felt goosebumps all through, he felt tingling all through his body and then feeling went back into his legs. And his grandfather, you know, who lived with him, you know, because his, his father defected, you know, he was a terrible father and left his mother and left them all. You know what I'm saying? Had a really terrible upbringing. And um, he's at the kitchen table. He was a man of few words. And he said, Lord... <laughs> Thank you. And he started, he was weeping with a, he could barely walk because he was just getting strength in his legs. He hadn't walked for months, right? And he walked down there and his grandfather looked up, them, looked up at him. He said, has Lazarus been raised? That's what his grandfather said. And he said, 
Grandfather, the Lord healed me. Amen. He was a man of few words. He says, has Lazarus been raised? <laughs> Amen. I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but, you know, here's, here's, a, here's a young man, only 16 years old. The doctor said, you're going to die. You're not going to make it past your 16th birthday. You're going to die. You have this, you know, blood disease, a heart disease. I mean, he was born prematurely. He was only about this big. In fact, his grandmother was going to throw him in the trash. Because he was, they, and, and she detected uh, uh, some life in him. He was only about this big. He was premature. I mean, it's just an amazing testimony. You know? I could go into a whole lot more detail, but I think about the, the determination. When I went to Kenneth Hagin School, the Lord called me to go there. I almost wanted to kiss the ground when I got on that campus. I mean, to tell you, I was so thankful to be there. And to, after reading his books and hearing his sermons and then going and finally sitting at the feet. Like Paul said, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Well, we're not talking about Gamaliel here. We're talking about a man of God, a true prophet. He was the leading prophet of God in the land in that day. And I was so honored and so privileged, I mean, to this day, to sit there under his feet and to be spoon-fed the word of God about how to get faith, how to operate in love and all the different gifts of the Spirit, all the things that he taught on and to be a partaker of that. And I say that to say this, God put those things in Lenny. He put those things in me so that we could take it to other people. Amen. Not just to be selfish about it. It's easy to take for granted things. Amen? Never take for granted the gifts of God. Never take for granted the ministry gifts of God. Never take for granted the power of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Always be grateful. Always be thankful. And God will lead you into more. Bring you into more. How is it sometimes that some people can come to church and basically not receive anything from the Lord and even leave? And yet other people come in and they're grateful and they're thankful and they're like, oh, Pastor, thank you so much. I needed that word today. That's exactly what I needed. Well, I would submit this to you. It's the condition of a person's heart. It's not even so much the pastor. I mean, we have our part. But it's the condition of a person's heart. Are they grateful? Are they thankful? Are they hungry? Are they thirsty? Or do they come in comparing it to other churches? You know how many times I've had people come in and compare me to other churches? Folks, I don't want to hear it. Because I'm in, I'm in competition with nobody. Okay? I'm not trying to be somebody else. I'm not trying to be another church. I want to be who, I want to be who God's made me to be. That's where the anointing is. I'm very comfortable with my own skin. Amen? I don't try to be somebody else. I don't try to preach like somebody else. I don't try to have someone else's anointing. I just want to be who God's created me to be. And I believe that's what God wants you to be comfortable in your own skin. They're, they're, he only made one of you. He didn't make duplicates of you. Amen? I know Brother Dan, he's a twin, but he's still different than his brother. Even twins are still different. They may look the same, but they're different. Every single person has a fingerprint God's placed on you. No one else can fill your shoes. No one else has had the experiences that you've had in this life. No one. There are certain circumstances and situations you've been through, painful situations. God is going to use you to help other people get through those situations. Amen? There are times in my life through the years, and especially 
my younger years, you know, when I first started out, that, that God would send someone, and I wasn't even really praying for it, but he would send someone across my path that would be just have a word of encouragement or say something to me, you know, and, and I remember one in particular, it helped me so much. Just that someone would believe in me. Amen? And sometimes we just need to put our arms around people and say, you know what, I believe in you. They may be messing up royally. They may be screwing up. But I think there's something about when you put your arms, so to speak, around someone and say, you know what, I want you to know I believe in you. I have faith in you. That'll go miles. We don't, it's not our job to try to teach them a lesson. The five steps to this or that, you know, that may come later on. But our job, you know, like Jesse Duplantis said, Jesus will love the hell out of a person. It's, it's his love. It's his love. Him loving us. Allowing him to love us. Instead of being like performance minded, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this for, so God can accept me, so God can love me more. Absolutely not. Throw that out the window. God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing. He loves you the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you receive his love, receive his love for you, that's what the healing process will start. Praise the Lord. There's times uh, in my life, you know, where it's not hard to be led by the Spirit. It's just not hard. We've made it hard. It's not hard. But Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. What does that mean? He was moved with love. And sometimes you'll just feel welling up on the inside of you. And a lot of times it will lead you to do something or say something to a person just to be an encouragement to them. It may not be preaching the gospel to them. It may be just you believe in that person. I just want you to know I believe in you. I was talking to a guy um, that was in the ministry, you know, and was going through some, uh, some real hard things, some real hard stuff. And, uh, and they were, I could tell they were dealing with a lot of condemnation and just, you know, you know how that goes. And then it started affecting them physically, you know. And I just, I told this person on the phone and in person, I said, I just want you to know I'm here for you. I just want you to know I believe in you. Amen. And, uh, and I meant it too. I didn't just, wasn't like just to, you know, to tickle their ears. I meant, I said, I just want you to know I'm here for you. If you need anything, here's my phone number. Call me. I'm here for you. Okay. And I could tell it really ministered to them. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of times that's just what people need. They just need, they need, just need people to know that you love them, that you care for them. Right? Love goes a long way. It really does. And we don't, we don't have to be under the pressure to try to change somebody. <laughs> That's a pressure. We try to change some Man, they just need to wise up and shape up or ship out. You know what I mean? No. I'm glad God's not that way with us. He loves us thick and thin through it all. And then we're, we get to the point where we're like, you know what? He really does love me. He really does care for me. Amen? 